Cheers, we're rolling. We're rolling, all right. Let's just get into it. Yeah. Yeah, hi everybody. Welcome back to the Eurovision Rewind podcast. After a week off, I am... I always forget that we do intros. Um, Right. I am an anti-capitalist BDSM (laughs) uh, techno metal Icelandic group, Jonathan. I am... Uh, I am a, a a commercial airline pilot, but like from the fifth element, Ellis. <laughs> you guys both went straight for the jugular there. Uh, I am Sandstorm by Darude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry if that spiked the levels. Oh, yeah, it did. <laughs> but um, yes, if you did not realize by now, we are talking about Eurovision 2019, the most recent Eurovision at the time of recording. And before we talk most about most recent, like full Eurovision, the f- most recent Eurovision that actually happened, <laughs> that <laughs> had results and happened live. Yeah. Um, but before we get into all of those songs, and there are a lot of them, uh, we're going to talk about our songs of the week. So who wants to start on that? All right. So we're talking about, re- we're giving our songs of the week. We're talking about the Eurovision from the 2019. Uh, um, uh, easy answer. The song of the week is Strangers by Seagrid. Um, it is a perfect pop song. It is excellent. You should be listening to it immediately after you listen to this excellent podcast. It's so good. Truly, truly an amazing artist. Yeah. Um, I would also recommend the, oh my God, what was the music video, Ellis? Oh, Mine Right Now. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mine Right Now music video. Very cute. Very good stuff happening there. It's. Um, she's so good. She's so good. She is... <clears throat> So good. I, however, uh, I'm not doing that. My song for this week is uh, actually the Club Penguin ice fishing theme. You girl. No, yes. no, no. I'm, I'm being serious. It is a genuinely amazing song. Can't like, confirm. He well texted beyond... me about this last night at 4 a.m. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I don't remember that, um, that song. Oh, definitely worth looking up on YouTube. I will. However, since that's not on Spotify, <laughs> uh, I found a playlist called Club Penguin Ice Fishing Music. Um, and from that playlist, I will choose Charleston by Django Reinhardt. Very good song. Very good song. Very similar vibes. <laughs> Lovely. Cool. Um, so as... Ellis knows because I've been talking about it for the past few days. I've been recently become obsessed with um, outsider music, which is like, oh god, yeah. Which I just discovered. It's basically the definition of it is like music that is bad, like music that is done by uh, like self-taught musicians in a way that is very not traditional and what. Does this have an element of camp to it, or is it like a serious thing? Because I have a recommendation. I think Depending it's kind on of, your well, uh, but both, I think. Okay. Um, but on the Wikipedia page, it says the term is usually applied to musicians from outside the music establishment who exhibit childlike qualities, especially those who suffer from mental illness. Um, and uh, there is an album that like is a compilation of a lot of outsider music songs. And the song that I chose is Cousin Mosquito Number 1 by Congresswoman Melinda Jackson Parker. Wait. Uh, is it an actual U.S. congresswoman? It is an actual Liberian congresswoman. Even better. Yeah, she served in the Liberian House of Representatives, and this is a cautionary song 
uh, warning against the dangers of um, mosquito-borne illnesses. Oh, that's that's kind of wonderful. And um, it's, and it's like this weird, like spoken word piano thing where it's basically just like her telling people to stay away from mosquitoes. And then there's like this interlude where she keeps repeating the word like cousin at the top of her lungs in like a super high register. It's amazing. I recommend it. That's awesome. I thought you were going to talk about the shags. The shags. Yeah. They're amazing too. But um, yeah. But yeah, I highly recommend that song. And um, it, I've, I found it off of um, the album Songs in the Key of Z, which is, <laughs> which is just a compilation of outsider music. And um, like we said, the shags are on it, which I also love. Anyway, that was. Well, sorry. If you, if I may recommend, uh, I, I sent this to Ellis. Was it last night as well? Um, I think so. It, yeah. Like perfectly, perfectly blends. There's a an album called Well I Should Have dot 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 or asterisk or something by H John or yeah H John Benjamin. Oh, like is, from Archer. From Archer and yeah, Bob's Burgers like and uh, Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um. It is easily one of the funniest albums <laughs> I've heard in a long time. It, I was listening with my sister and we fully cracked up out loud, which I don't think I've done to music specifically. <laughs> I'm not sure if I have either. Since I was like a, you know, a toddler. <laughs> um, very, very worthwhile. Very much more on the camp end of outsider music. Because huh, uh, camp. Very self-aware. Because he, he was in Wet Hot. <laughs> camp <laughs> i've never seen it oh i love that oh it's so good okay yeah. but actually on the to to extend the segment even further on the topic of movie people oh, making will probably music, be our longest podcast recording ever <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh, but to uh, on the topic of movie people making music i'll just briefly mention the bruce willis rap album the what? Jeff Goldblum <gasps> jazz piano albums. The Fabio album. The f- oh, Do I you didn't know, about, know that? about that one. Uh, it's out of control. Also the Christopher, both of the Christopher Lee symphonic metal albums. What? He has two symphonic Get metal albums out. that are concept albums about King Charlemagne. What? They're both no. pretty good. Fuck. They're yeah. both shockingly better than you'd expect. Does yeah. he sing um, them? Yes, but he, he sounds singer? like Christopher Lee. No, it's like him going... <laughs> And Charlemagne <laughs> rode into the field of glory. That they're, was a good Chris Freely, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Um, they're wonderful. Highly recommend. Oh my goodness. Charlemagne also has some big band Seth and swing McFarlane's, albums. He's like a legit jazz singer. Oh yeah. Very impressive. But anyways, Eurovision. Yeah, Eurovision. So um, <laughs> normally uh, we would do a year in review um, in the interest of time and the fact that I think we all, who everyone listening to this probably remembers 2019 pretty well, I'm not going to do that. Um, I do have the charts pulled up for Europe. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, did you guys want to guess it? Do you want me to just go through it real quick? What's the vibe? Uh, let's guess them rapid fire. Okay. Rapid fire. Yeah. Uh, number one, none of these. you're going to what? I will get none of these. I know. I was kind of surprised by some of these. I don't know all of them. But um, number one in Europe during the week of uh, May 11th, which is when Eurovision happened last year, um, is uh, the... mm, I don't want to say the biggest song of the year, but like one of the biggest songs of the year by a very... um, Like a very unlikely... Old Town Road. Yeah, Old Town Road. The Lil Nas X version, not the... Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus version. Oh, interesting. I think those are charted as the same. Billboard charts those as the same songs for what it's oh, okay. the same song for what it's worth. 
um, which is why there's so many remixes of that. Although Billboard recently just got rid of merch bundles counting for charts, which I'm not going to start talking about because that will eat up more time. <laughs> Billboard is interesting. Yeah. All right. Oh, this isn't Billboard. Oh. Well, it's 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 like a chart website yep. that aggregates the like chart information oh, okay, yeah. that like probably considers Billboard. But anyway, yeah. um, number two is a song that I don't really think broke over here. Um, it's by a Swedish DJ. Swedish DJ. So, uh, and uh, like it has a feature. Uh, Jackie Chan by Tiesto. No, no. I, I can't remember. Um, Garrix. Dude, when did? Is it Martin Garrix? No. Okay. When did Avicii die? Oh, uh, a couple years that ago. That wasn't last year. Okay, okay. Just checking. Although they did put out a posthumous album, so I guess it could have been off of that. Oh. Okay, yeah. I, I don't actually know any of the tracks. I didn't either. It's called SOS by Avicii and Aloe Black. Oh, yeah, right. I did hear that one, actually. This might have must have been about when that was coming out then. All right. The third song I've literally never heard of, and the person who sings it sounds kind of familiar. I'm going to look them up right now to give you a better clue. Um... Oh, um, very young Scottish singer-songwriter. I, I I don't know this one. I Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Someone You Loved by Louis Capaldi. Oh, do yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Do I know that song? You do. Um, he's former One Direction member. What? No, no, no he's, he's not. not. That's he's Louis not. Tomlinson. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. He's the puffy guy. Um, yeah. I was getting kind of used to being someone you loved. I don't know. Oh. It was a big deal. Okay. Um, Not sure if I remember that one. It was perfectly adequate. He could be an Ed Sheeran type at some point. I don't know if he will be. All right. Number four, other than Old Town Road, is probably the biggest song of 2019. Uh, Bad Guy? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Huh. How long was Bad Guy on the charts before it went number one? Um, Interesting. Okay. I do not know. Yeah. Or maybe it had been number one at this point, but it is. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, number five is a song that I don't know by an artist I don't know. Vossy Bop by Skepta? Nope. Sorry, not Skepta. Stormzy. Is there any Stormzy on this list? Not in the top ten. Darn. Oh, the, the number twelve, though. Vossy Bop. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you. It's Don't Call Me Up by Mabel. I don't know that one either. Don't Call Me Up? Don't Call Me Up. Hmm. I have also not heard of that. Huh. All right. Cool. Onwards to victory, I guess, in Eurovision 2019. Number six is by like the 2020 or 2019 version of the soft indie boy. Um, Mac DeMarco? No. Yeah. What'd you say, Millen? Rex Orange County? No. Good shout. Um, I guess Pony did come out last year. Maybe like more pop than indie than you're thinking, but like very... um, Hozier? Uh, no. Vance Joy? No. no. I'm thinking way too early in time for this. Um, I'm going to know it when you say it. Do you want me to say it? Troy Savon? No, good guess, good though. shout. Charlie Poof. It's Sean what... Mendez. Oh, it's Sean Mendez. I don't if care I can't have Sean you. Sean Mendez. <laughs> um, all right. Number seven is a collaboration between two people who... Uh, are becoming less and less relevant as time goes on. Uh, a lot of... Um, Children in middle school tend to like these two people. Dan and Phil. That not Dan and Phil. <laughs> Are you thinking of Dan and? Sh- um, no, but this is okay. I have two guesses. One is Bieber. No. Okay. The other one is fucking MGK and Halsey. No. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, not Pitbull. <laughs> I don't know. 
It's Me by Taylor Swift and Brendan Urie. Oh, disgusting. I hate that song. I actually don't think I know that one, thankfully. It's it's bad. It, that song is that song is what killed lover <laughs> and then the and then it was very smart to pivot yeah that song and then the second single off that album just utterly trashed it but that was a bad comeback song. did we expect lover to be good though i mean no but we didn't expect it to be that bad like but also the singles are worse than the album is i haven't listened to the album so i don't know I, yeah that was you need to calm down right yeah, that was the second. That was, awful. that was the second single. That was bad. And like, I have issues with that song. I, anyway, yeah, <laughs> and the video. Yeah. Um, all right, number eight is a song by an artist that I didn't think had a song last year. Um, like, we're gonna look them up really quick. Yeah, Puerto Rican uh, singer songwriter rapper. Bad Bunny. No. Jay Balvin. Daddy Yankee. Daddy Yankee. Oh. Oh, There's I know like the song. four you could choose between. Yeah. yeah. We didn't mention Luis Fonzi, of course. <laughs> um, it's Con Calma by Daddy Yankee and Snow. Yeah, I don't know, though. I am... Who's Snow? I don't know. I don't keep up with... Rizone. Isn't Snow the guy who... Uh, like, the Canadian rapper who did Informant? Or, like, you know that song? Yeah, there was a rapper named Snow who's known for his one-hit wonder, Informer, which spent seven weeks on the number one U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in 1982. Oh, anyway. okay. 1982? 92. Oh, I mean, still, that very much of a... That's certainly a one-hit wonder artist. For yeah. sure. All right, number nine is the comeback single of a very beloved band. Uh, High Hopes. Uh, no to what Ella said. What did you say, Melon? Jonas Brothers. Yes. Oh. That's an obvious God. one, Ella. <laughs> that song has the same issue with da- as that Dance Monkey does in that, like, it's a wicked chorus, but it doesn't do anything. Mm, yeah, I like both of those songs. Um, <laughs> all right. So, and to round out the top 10, we have um, a song by a British DJ and a British singer songwriter. Uh, uh, oh, what's the name of that song? I love this song. It's Calvin Harris and Dua Lipa. No. Shit. Really? Yes. Okay. Norman Rockwell. Nope. <laughs> by Lana Del Rey? <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Um, no, yeah. What's his last name? Norman Cook. That's Norman what I mean. Norman Cook, yeah. N- no. AKA Fatboy Slim. Um, no, yes. It's a British DJ that's not. Oh, it is Calvin Harris, yeah. but it's not Dua Lipa. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it, it, it's off of Funk Wave Bounces. It's Calvin Harris. And who else did he collab with on that record? It's not the when movie. did the Disclosure album come out? Oh, that was recent. <laughs> okay. The new one was. Never mind. The new one was recent. Um, it is Calvin okay. Harris, though. I don't know if you heard that. According to Wikipedia, yeah, I, did, I did hear that. The collaborator is known for his deep baritone voice. He is six foot five. He was born Seal. in the United Kingdom. No. Hosier. No. Vance Joy. No. 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 I, I think you're not going to get it. Not to assume things about you. Probably not. It's Giant by Calvin Harris and Rag and Bone Man. Oh, oh wow. Rag and Bone Man. That, is a- that charted? Shit. Cool. Yeah, I guess so. I gotta listen to that song now. I never, I never actually listened to all of Funkwave Bounces. Number twenty-five, uh, Deutschland by Rammstein. <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> Duh. Uh, no, yeah, fuck. Oh, I'm number eleven is The Shallows by Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, and then actually, um, two Eurovision songs were in the top one hundred. I won't really? say which ones, but one of them are Kate by Duncan Lawrence. 
I couldn't possibly comment okay. on such a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we all know who won this one, so we, we do. Yeah. It um, it was San Marino. Let's just clear the air. <laughs> Sir Hap brought it home. Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. <laughs> um, no. Um, yes. Uh, Duncan Lawrence from is... the Netherlands did win. We'll get there when we get there. Oh, um, I didn't like do a deep dive on controversy corners or fun fact fjords just because. Again, I kind of thought this might be a longer episode, and also we're in the middle of finals. But um, just yeah. real quick, um, there's some controversy before we get into the show. Of course, there is because Netta Barzilai won last. Right. Time. Okay. So I think we actually mentioned this before um, on the show, but um, when Netta, right, we did. Yeah. When Netta won in 2018, um, during her reprise, she said, "See you next year in Jerusalem," which was like controversial because. Jerusalem, right? She claimed on like a like one of the biggest live broadcasts in the world that Jerusalem was an Israeli city, which we're making no claims. Um, <laughs> to, to clear, to, we at we at vocab gumbo do not take a, <laughs> do not take a stance on this you yes. know massive geopolitical issue, <laughs> right? Um, and that also not affiliated with the Eurovision Song Contest or the EBU. Right. I feel like I should start putting those disclaimers in our show notes. I mean, I think they know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but um, that kind of like sparked a whole like, uh, what do you call that? Media, media frenzy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are people reporting like, oh, it's going to be in Jerusalem next year. And that obviously didn't happen because that didn't happen for a lot of reasons. It happened because of the outcry, because... Um, they wouldn't have been able to have rehearsals during um, the Sabbath, which is like... Yeah, that'll mess you up. That will mess you up because uh, sunrise Friday to... Or no, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday is kind of like prime Eurovision real estate. Yeah. So it ended up being in Tel Aviv, which ended up being quite controversial on its own. It, Like it did in 1979, ultra-Orthodox groups opposed it. So did a lot of left-wing groups across Europe. Um, leading a lot of groups and individuals, including Stephen Fry and Sharon Osbourne, to publicly boycott Eurovision in Israel. Huh. There's also this kind of conversation of this idea that it shouldn't be here because it was like, quote, pinkwashing, which is kind of like performative queer activism that is kind of like, look, we oh. love gay people. This is a gay event, but like they yeah. actually the Which I was going to comment on that. <laughs> right. And uh Israel's uh it's simultaneously a very conservative and very liberal country, but at the government level I, I think it's fair to say that a lot of things are quite conservative, so it sends a, it, people were concerned that this was sending a message about Israel that wasn't really true. And also there were like aspects of the show where like they were talking about like grinder and like things like that um which i thought were kind of pandery but um also yeah. very silly there was also um like a cyber attack during the first semifinal um where hackers were able to briefly show anti-israeli statements on streams oh. such as quote israel is not safe you will see and quote risk of missile attack please take shelter that's wild um this was uh for khan which is the israeli broadcaster so it was, I think it was just seen in Israel um, and yeah. they like the EBU immediately released a statement that the problem was fixed quickly and um, everything was business as usual. TV hijackings are like super interesting. Some of my favorite weird publicity yes. stunts. I've actually like, yeah. Yeah. We can talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There were also some issues with the jury votes. Um, it 
came out that certain jurors, uh, one in Portugal, one in Denmark, I think, Denmark, um, accidentally voted backwards. So they put their last place song in the first slot, which ended up kind of fucking up the results. They had to correct it retroactively. Not that like it changed like who won or anything, oh, but buddy. um, yeah, that's really funny. And then um, you literally had one job. <laughs> I don't really understand because that's not the first time that that's happened, and I don't really get how that happens. Um, and yeah, um, perhaps we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but um, the Madonna interval performance was. <laughs> First of all, bad, but second of all, kind of controversial because the, 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 she showed um, Israeli and Palestinian flags during the performance as a call for peace oh. because Madonna thinks she's a lot more subversive than she actually is. Oh, Madonna. <laughs> that that has been true since Madonna. 2005. Oh, since 1979. No, I... Uh, uh, I think she was actually subversive for a while, but then she kind of just like stopped being relevant and she yeah. thinks that she's anyway, neither here nor there. <laughs> she got to start at the mud club. I'm surprised that despite all of that controversy, there was no like stage rushing or nothing yeah. that happened actually during the performance. I think this was the first time in three years that that didn't happen, which was really <laughs> surprising, which might just be because there was like increased security because they were expecting something like that. But I was surprised by it too. <laughs> all right. Also, um, Ukraine was originally uh, planning on participating. However, they had to withdraw in February of 2019. Right. um, Due to controversy. Mm -hmm. Um, So during the Ukrainian national selection, um, the artist Maruv with the song, uh, I almost said Sandstorm because Darude Sandstorm. Anyway, (laughs) Maruv, a siren song, um, had won. However, um, it was this whole like weird like thing of, one broadcaster would choose, like this happens in Ukraine every year, one broadcaster chooses the entrant and then the official broadcaster that is a part of the EBU can choose to accept it or not. And this time they did not because um, she made performances in, uh, she was kind of like blacklisted by Ukraine in certain ways. This is kind of an oversimplification and I might be forgetting some details, but I think that she did performances in Russian occupied Crimea and other locations uh, in Russia. And yeah. she was asked to cancel Russian tour dates that she had in the lead up to Eurovision, but she refused to. And then there was this like whole restrictive contract that she was given after she was chosen to be the representative. And she had like a ultimatum and she wouldn't sign it. Oh, that's fascinating. And then um, what ended up happening was that the broadcaster would not accept her. Um, and none of, so I really did not do a lot of research for this episode, but from what I remember from last year, I think they asked a bunch of different artists that participated in the selection too, and they refused to participate also. So, um, damn, just out of like disputes and like chaos, they decided not to participate. And that's that on that. Um, we're ready to get into the final, I think. Unless, yeah, there are any other points or motions? Uh, I I would like to do a, a play-by-play of the intro sequence. Oh, please. It is iconic. Yeah. The in, the intro sequence to this show is truly top-notch. Like, big ups the Israeli broadcaster for this, because was, this was fantastic. I've watched this thing, like, four times now. But the, 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 the countdown ends, lights down, lights up, there's a commercial airliner. We cut inside the commercial airliner. It is being flown by Netta Barzilai. She is dressed <laughs> like she is a character from The Fifth Element. <laughs> She looks fantastic. 
there's a whole back and forth with her and the air traffic control dude. Which is Yano Lassand, the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> That's great. I didn't know that. <laughs> and then we get this great, if somewhat batshit sizzle reel of people <laughs> across Israel, like running around and enjoying the natural beauty. And they're making all these the, the runway lights for Netta Barzilai to land this commercial airliner apparently on the entire country and she does and then we cut to inside the stadium well there are all these like shots too of like israeli boy scouts and like yeah, cyclists yeah, yeah. and like things like that that are and, like what were they doing were they just like they going were, to eurovision no they were making the landing lights oh they were right it's like we got a bunch of people in the desert driving up in their off-roaders and then switching on their lights and it's in two lines and the girl scouts are making like those those little candle lanterns and then mm -hmm. there's a lady who's driving a bunch of little drones and it's it's very fun and then we cut inside the stadium there is a commercial jetliner on the jumbotron it looks fantastic Netta Barzilai comes out goes hello Europe welcome to Tel Aviv and does the whole Q like, talk dirty to me by Jason <laughs> <laughs> well Q boy a cue like this grand orchestral version of I'm Not Your Toy, right. which was awesome. Banger. That song as an orchestral thing is is top notch. Then cue the Parade of Nations. Then cue the instrumental to Talk Dirty to Me by Jason Derulo. Then cue Donna International. Singing, um, oh fuck, I know the song. It's not one of her songs, but it's like just this like club song called Tel Aviv. Yeah. But um, and then... Um, there were other appearances. Um, Nadav Gwedge sang Golden Boy, which was a past really, Israeli song. I really enjoyed that. Um, I thought that was really cool. That was cool. Um, also, Alanit was there, who was the first Israeli representative. Do you remember that? Oh, right. No, I don't. But um, that was cool. And then that was it. I thought it was cute how um, like on the LED uh, screen behind everybody, like it would be they would be like, Vilcom in Netherlands, and then like Duncan Lawrence would walk out, and like it would say like Arrivals Netherlands to Tel Aviv. Yeah, that was fun. Great I like the details. Attention it, to detail. It was it was lovely. Um, and then after some inane blabber by the hosts, who are very distinctly not Mons and Petra, uh, uh, we launch into the first song. That's right. Did you have any comments about the intro, Milan? I'll be honest, I saw Netta flying the plane, and I said, all right, it's midnight. I would like to finish watching Eurovision. <laughs> so I skipped it. I skipped it. Oh, I'm no. sorry for that. It's really. worth going back and watching. It's really it fun. Yeah, so starting off the show was song number one, which was Chameleon by Michaela from Malta. How do we feel? Um, okay, I guess I'll start. Um, <laughs> I think I can. I can start. Okay, I can start if you don't want to. Um, so at first, 
I was like, okay, this is clearly setting the tone for the show of music that could perhaps have like be more fitting in the summer of 2018. <laughs> like that specific flavor, uh, that specific era. Not a bad thing. It's just this song in particular felt like a uh, a derivative execution of that ideal type, you know, 2018 summer. Until the until the chorus hit, and then things widened out on the the soundscape, I guess you could say. Um, the there was uh, a much like juicier depth to it all of a sudden during that chorus. Um, the staging was vibrant and exciting and dynamic during the chorus. And then as soon as the chorus ended, it went back to that derivative execution. And I realized on the second time listening to it that I I actively hate the pre-chorus. It is not it's not fun to listen to. It's yeah. just like the the pre-chorus is intensely Swedish. Like it, the pre-chorus yeah. sounds like all of the bad parts about the sort of like generic Swedish pop sound. It is. I don't know who wrote this song because there's there's like gems inside it. But yeah, yeah, that's actually really true. Um, I don't know if it's you know worth polishing. I guess is if we're sticking to the metaphor. Yeah, I. So I actually really enjoy this. Um, I don't think anything you said was wrong, though. I think that aspects of it are a little bit derivative, like the verses definitely are. But at the same time, I think that even if it is very derivative of that sort of dated sound, it's still very fun and infectious. Um, oh, no, I, don't, I don't think it's... Sorry, if I can clarify. I don't think that it's a, a dated sound. You I think can't it's, clarify. That's not allowed. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. But like, um, even <laughs> still, we're going to get a better version of this later on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What? Like this type oh. of song is something that I'm a fan of and I have plenty of in my playlist, but this specific iteration of that song mm. falls a little bit underneath the, uh, it's a little subpar, I guess. I think it's very 2019 radio friendly and yeah. um, mainstream, which sort of actually makes it stand out in this crowd, but just out of context, it's a little bit stale. That being said, though, I think that the staging is really smart. We haven't talked about that yet. I the it, staging really bugs me because I love it. Do you say that? <laughs> I hate how this song. So it it opens on a similar shot to the Jaguar Jones one from OGAE. Yes, where it's like it's super tight in on the singer, and she's in the corner of a box, and which is a room. Yeah. Um, which is a room, right? Yeah, it, it does open where she's like in the window. Um, and so I was expecting something like that Jaguar Jones one where we've got a, like a tight end camera and we do a cool dramatic bit with this. And then either the walls come down or there's a big zoom out or something. They had that. But it, they, they, they did not have that until the very end of the song. I was like, yeah. but by that point it was too, like I got claustrophobic of how tight this camera was in on her for the for most of the song but i think that they did like the zoom out and like the, at like the climax of the song like when they were supposed to like i don't know when else they would do that yeah and i think it'd be kind of strange to have that part of the song and not have something dramatic like that happen yes but like yes but it's it was it was really throwing me because it's like 
it's the first song of the of the show. We haven't had a chance to really get a feel for the stage yet. It's it's really cool staging, but it's like there is so much in coming. So right, we're, like we're at a moment in time right now where there are so many versions of the remote performance. Like you know, like like not in 2019, like in 2020 because of the pandemic. You've oh, got yeah. stuff where like on the late night shows where. Dua Lipa is like sitting on a bench green screened in front of her backup dancers doing whatever. Sophie Ellis Baxter singing songs on her kitchen floor yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the way that it's super tight in on her with the LED in the back LED boards in the background makes it feel like a remote performance. It like it feels like they're not taking advantage of the incredible resource that you have at Eurovision and at very few other places, which is the scale of this staging and they're deliberately choosing to keep in tight and have a less impressive version of that until it is too late in the song. Can I pose a question? Yeah. Do you think the song would work if they used the wide open stage the entire time or this performance would? No, but it needed to contextualize itself. Like I, it needed to, it needed to ground itself on the stage because I was spending more time being like, what the fuck is going on? Where are they? Well, that's the point is because it's not supposed to be a stage. It's all these like projections and like they're in a rainforest, they're in a cityscape, they're in someone's room. There's a flood. <laughs> like the, the, the point of it isn't that they're at Eurovision. The point of it is that like they're in all of these locations but, and all these colors are changing and it's like chameleon, whatever. The thing is they are at Eurovision and they No, have but that's the thing. The the most important thing though is that there have been songs <laughs> so there was a song in twenty eighteen that I didn't like because it was it was just like that, but there was no moment of panning out. Yeah. And that was really off putting because it made it seem like the performer wasn't actually there. Yeah. And we'll get to another one of these later on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I think that like I said, it does the pan out at the right time because it's the climax of the song. Um, and you see the audience, you see the stage. I will admit it's kind of a weird way to start because you're kind of starting with this song that kind of doesn't really like exist in, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't really exist on stage in the same way that almost every other song does. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have nearly as much of an issue with this as if it wasn't first. Well, but, but also I will defend it being first slightly because I think that this is a current sound and it's very radio friendly and I think it will draw an audience in. And also if this is the first song you're seeing and the first shot that you see of Eurovision is like her, like twirling her hair in like her neon led room that's enclosed. Like I feel like that's really eye catching and draws the audience in. Yeah. I guess my, my other I feel like if I may add, yeah, of course. I feel like if the, if the pullout were earlier, like halfway through the song instead of three quarters or whatever. Yeah. Then it would, it would achieve many of the goals that Jonathan has stated. And I agree with, I do think that from uh, like not viewing this live, viewing this as a broadcasted thing, we get the benefit of being kind of immersed in the stage with the performer um, in a different way than the Eurovision audience, live audience does. And that immersion is, I think, something that is uh, beneficial in many ways. And so if you can kind of recreate that same immersion uh, for the live audience, then it, it, it kind of creates the stronger connection to the performance and to the performers. Well, I think um, that there was... I also feel, oh, sorry. Oh, I also feel that Ellis is correct in saying that 
it just felt like off for that first bit. I, I, I noticed that it went on for too long as well. Yeah. Um, but hmm. when the reveal happened, I was like, I get it now. Okay. I like this staging. I feel like it was a, it was kind of the anticipation on Christmas day of like waiting to unwrap the presents. You know, yeah. you know, it's there, you know, there's something else going on. You don't get to see what it is until, until that time comes. And then when that time comes, it's like everything kind of clicks. Okay. My, my other beef with the staging though, is that in this modern era of Eurovision, we always have two versions of the song. We have the music video version and then the staged version. Um, and if you're just like, I think that that's part of the, part of what makes a lot of songs like it, 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 it's, it's part of what helps sell a lot of songs is that if they can work in both, in both contexts. And if you do something like this, then you are making your live version into just the music video version again. And it loses, you lose the opportunity of the live version. Like if, if little big from last year had, had gone to do their show and they were in an led box and they just did like the same sort of performance with the same camera angles, which they could easily do with given a setup like this and then only pulled out to the audience at the very last chorus, it would not have it, like, it wouldn't work as well. And it would be underwhelming because it's like, they can do more with this context. And so we're like, that's, that's what this song is doing. It's throwing that away. I guess so. But I think that you're writing this off as a gimmick where I think that it is like a well thought out choice because I think that if you were to just like make this song, like, I mean, I don't, I don't want this to, to, um, I don't want this to be like a negative of the song, but I don't think that this, like a performance of the song, I don't think would work if the entire thing was using the whole stage. I think it would feel empty. No, I, yeah. So I don't think, so I think that their decision to, um, have it be more intimate at the beginning is really smart. And I don't think that is, um, like that doesn't mean that the song is bad either. I think that just, different songs call for different stagings and they were using the resources that they had to make sure that they could do the best performance they could with this song. And if they were doing what you suggested as not having like a music video set up and having it be entirely like live using every inch of the stage, I think that that would be really off putting and wouldn't work for this song. Okay. But I, I think they, you you said it's not a gimmick and I think they made it a gimmick by forcing it into such a large portion of the performance. Well, when else? Well, I, here's my question: When else should they have done the pan out if not at that moment? At the first chorus. But then, what would they have done at the climax of the song? Fireworks? I don't know. Something else climactic. I feel like you have more have a problem <laughs> with the song than you do the staging. I, I, yeah, the song is fine. The song is fine. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's. It's top half, but it's not good. Transcendent. I don't know. The song's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, Millen, do you have any more comments or do you want to get into your prediction of scoring? Um, I mean, you kind of tore that thing to shreds. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting us to talk that much about that, but that was fun. Uh, um, I, I like I liked the chameleon imagery. Hooray. The dancers. Oh, I love the dance. The dancers were great too. Oh, oh yes, the dancers were great. The outfits were also pretty cool with the acrylic, like the clear acrylic uh, pieces. Very fun. 
Very, Very Sophia Nygaard YouTube video. I wear clear jeans every day for a week. <laughs> Vibes. <laughs> that is whole ass whoosh on. <laughs> uh, I, as far as the, where this will place, I feel like uh, lower bottom half. Like Whoa. near near the near the half, sorry, near the half point to the lower end of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant like like twenty second, no, no, twenty six. Not like not like dead last. I mean like fourteen, fifteen kind of thing. Got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I think I could stand to do a little bit better than that, but it, that's yeah, that's the right ballpark. All right. So after objectively spending far too long on that song, oh, yes. we'll be moving on to song number two, which is "Theutokes" by Unita Malici from Albania. Total, I don't like this song. You don't quite like a it? Bit. No, I do like oh, it. Oh, good. Okay. Please continue. Sorry, you were saying something. I was just going to say total uh, like whiplash almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Even um, one of the things that I, I, I made a lot of comments on the pre-card, the title card, I guess, for the countries. This one didn't do it as uh, dramatically, but there were a ton uh, that had this very, very upbeat, you know, high tempo, danceable, uh, like title card song. Oh, the po- and then, like the, the dancey postcard beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is it really a postcard if it's before? I called it a pre-card. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's funny. I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, one of those, um, and then it shifts very drastically into like this somber, you know you know song about oh the world is ending or (laughs) i lost the one i love and um uh, like i said albania was not the worst one to uh was not the worst offender of that kind of uh whiplash but but still we felt it between malta and albania for sure um i love the fact this was not in english yes uh i loved 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 the outfit and the earrings the outfit is incredible and the tattoos the tattoos, the earrings, um, earrings. the staging as well. If I may say, this is yeah. a very good example of using staging to make things feel uh, much bigger than they actually were. Like yeah. she felt bigger on the stage, and mm-hmm. there was drama and that kind of Republic of Gamers classic red lines <laughs> on these floating things. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking Daft Punk and the Encore from Alive 2007. Um, <laughs> but that's funny. Um, her, her voice is distinct. And uh, there's this one shot where she's seen from above, kind of her arms outstretched and she's standing in the middle of this ring of fire. Um, it's very dramatic. It's very dynamic. And I think this is honestly one of the best blends of like quote unquote, traditional music and contemporary music. Mm. Um, there, there are other songs that we've heard, in past years and some later on in this year where 
it's like okay here's a contemporary pop song here's someone doing some you know traditional vocal here's a contemporary pop song and also a flute exactly exactly again and those to me world underscore drumming like dot wave <laughs> yeah. world underscore drumming dot wave they feel stitched together they feel synthetic uh but this one had a very natural approach to it to that kind of blending um and i i appreciated it a lot i love this too i think that um this performance like knows exactly what it is and does it perfectly this is a soulful ballad the vocal is perfect there are great levels. Um, like you say, it does a really good job of combining kind of like contemporary, uh, like almost like R&B beats with um, this Albanian language vocal and a lot of quote traditional sounds. I think the staging is great. That being said, there isn't really much of a staging, but I think that's what this song needed. It's kind of just her standing in the middle of the stage with this LED uh, like red ring standing in the middle of it. And then towards the end, she like walks closer to the the audience. And I think that that's really good because this song stands on its own and would have been ruined by like a huge, like crapped up, like yeah. staging with like interpretive dance and <laughs> pyrotechnics. Yeah. And there like, are pyrotechnics though. And they are w- utilized effectively. Yes. Very effectively. But, yeah. But I think that, um, I think you have a very specific song that's like sort of similar in feel to this, but like had like, so much like Azerbaijan 2015 had like ballet dancers and interpretive dance and like the the singer was like singing this like a ballad which he should have performed like this but he was like moving around and there was too much going on this had the right amount of things going on which was very little as not to distract from her voice and her performance which was impeccable critically she was not just like standing stock still like a statue like she had emotive and she had intensity and she was emoting Mm. uh, which also played into this song's favor I don't think I liked it quite as much as you guys, um, just because with these sort of like big ballady ones, there I can only like so many per year. <laughs> um, but I do agree that this is very good, and it's one of the, it's probably the second best of that kind um, from this year, and we'll get to the best later on. Um, but yes, I this this was really good. The staging was excellent. The visual component of this one was excellent. But yeah, um, I didn't like this quite as much as you guys did, but I do think it's very good, and I do think it's top half. Oh, okay. Do you agree with that, Millen? Oh, for sure. This is, uh, yeah, definitely top half. Don't know where, though. Yeah. I love that. All right, so after this is song number three, which is Friend of a Friend by Lake Malawi from the Czech Republic. Okay, I think I love this. I I have considered it, and I have listened to it a lot, the both the live and the recorded version, and I think I kind of love this. That said, I fully acknowledge 
that it has some very deep problems. <laughs> there are issues with this song, but I kind of love it, and I wish it was good. Like this song. I agree. <laughs> this is so directly adjacent to being a really good song, and it's just not quite there. It just barely misses the mark on almost everything it's trying to accomplish. Yes, but the bits the, the bits where it's good, it's really good. This song has the best chorus of the year. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Absolutely not. I I'm love with, this I'm with chorus. Jonathan. This is not the best chorus. What? Are you kidding me? No, no, I'm saying I'm saying you're right. No, I'm, 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 talking about, I'm talking to Ellis. Don't, I, don't you worry, Melon. I love the friend of a friend of a friend of a friend Better than chorus. Italy? That is a killer chorus. Italy's chorus is so good you can sing along without knowing the language. I have some I have some other issues with Italy, but we'll get there when we get there. I, I think this is. I think this is out of sheer enthusiasm. I, I have to respectfully okay. but forcefully disagree. That's fair. I also love the visuals. Aside from the fact that they all look like clones of each other, I love the visuals. Um I think again, on the chorus, when it like splits and you've got like the they're all in their little neon squares and they're like blinking around the screen. I thought that was really cool. That was by far the best use of CG on the show. Um CG. Like tricky editing, I guess. Uh, I'm I'm thinking specifically of like moments where what we see on the screen is not what was directly on stage. Um, yeah, I guess so because all the other examples were pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, um, but like I love that. I love all the bright primary colors. I think that if this song was if if you took this song and you took it out of the hands of Lake Malawi and gave it to Hot Chip, gave it to Friendly Fires. Gave it to uh, Capital Cities. Whole different class. That's a whole different Gave beast. That you're like, Dottie Freyer. Like, Dottie Freyer. This is not on his level. He could kill this song. He could, but like, should he? The chorus. I love like, the chorus of this song. I love this song. Friend it's, of a friend of a friend yeah, of a friend. That's but, your favorite chorus yeah, the whole yes, year. Yes. With the. It's 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 so <laughs> catchy. I it make I I like. I like it a lot. I really like this song. Okay, can, can we talk about... It then gets ruined by when he goes, she was my I neighbor. I was just about to bring that up. When we were 13... Like, what, what is this accent? <laughs> she was my neighbor when we were 13. She moved back in. There's not much between us now. Do you know what I mean? Where is he from? Why is he so British in that? He's from like Poland. <laughs> and he's from Poland representing Czechia. And speaks with like a Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins <laughs> British accent. What is yeah. that? <laughs> that bit that bit sucks. That bit needs to get 86 But like this <laughs> I don't know. I really, really I I I really like this song. I wish I love okay, you know what? Here's the other thing that I love about this song is that like like what Dottie Freyer did this year, it is hearkening to to like indie pop and it's hearkening to this the like the late two thousands, early twenty tens sort of like adjacent to pop cool stuff. 
But much worse. Yeah, I don't even no. think you can compare them. I think you can, I, because I think that's what he's shooting for, and he doesn't hit it. He doesn't hit it, and it's not as good as, uh, what's the other one? Cut Copy. Um, but I feel like Daddy Fred, not to like keep talking about Daddy Fred, I feel, I feel like his song from last year was like, it was timeless, it was transcendent, was it wasn't exquisite. It wasn't like referencing something as specific as this song is referencing. No, but it, it's coming from that same lineage. And, I guess so. <laughs> and so I, I, I love this because I love that, and I wish this was better. Okay, can I speak my truth? Yeah. I will start with what I liked. The staging was great. Staging was great. I loved the fashion. I loved yes. the primary colors. Yes. I loved them, how they were started in like those boxes, and then it kind of turned into um, like an Instagram discovery page at the chorus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I enjoyed yeah. that a lot. The song itself, I mean, I think that we ultimately... I'm going to kind of reiterate a lot of the points that Ellis brought up, but I think of them more negatively than he does. <laughs> I think that it tries to be this contemporary indie sound and it kind of tries to be a little rock and roll and pop on the radio and a lot of things. And I think it misses the mark just slightly on all of them. And I think that also TV on the radio, TV on the radio. Hey, um, and I think that, I think that this song relies a lot on the charisma of the performer, and I don't think he has that much charisma. I think he he's has, very awkward. He has charisma That's, if he has charisma when he's not talking. <laughs> no, I don't think That's he does. Very I think he has no solar conviction. I'm going to say it. I actually disagree with that, Jonathan. I do too. I, 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 no soul. I agree with many, Absolutely I was not. Say the opposite. I don't think he has enough conviction. I don't I, think he I has either. I'm, I'm gonna, no, he, has, got, he doesn't have either. He disagree. <laughs> disagree um, he has because he has modular you, synth soul and conviction not if you vocal. compare if you compare the live version to the recorded version there is a noticeable drop in energy in the recorded version i yeah. like this song enough and it's kind of in my alley enough that i listen to the live version i'm like okay cool i'll hear the recorded one i'll add it to my playlist this is pretty good i listen to the recorded one I did not like it. I did not like it at all. It felt very plain. It felt very bland. I hate the samples of we're just friends or whatever it I'm was. I'm only a friend. Yeah. yeah I, I'm only a friend. I you. hate that sample so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, with you that the live version is better. Yeah. The live version is significantly better. And I think I can only say that because he has... He has either soul or conviction. One of them. I think it's soul <laughs> in this case. I think he's um, too nervous to have either of those things it gives up too much nervous e nervous energy okay i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in this case i think is actually a critical thing yeah here. there's another because there's another uh, he has dork charisma coming up his what he has dorky charisma and it works with the song i guess you're right i just don't like it okay <laughs> <laughs> uh what was i gonna say uh, i love the yes. instrumentalists i think that they um steal the show <laughs> Okay, as far like staging, I think you're all spot on. I, I've, it was very simple. It was very nice, visually pleasing. Um, I'm a fan of the colors uh, of their clothing, but kind of m not monochrome, but uh, I don't know how to describe it exactly. One color, color select. Um, to me, it this song can only exist in Eurovision in the yes. way that it did, like. Ellis, you said you could give this song to Dottie Freyer or someone, and I think that's an unfair comparison because Dottie Freyer made Yaya Ding Dong sound good. Yeah. <laughs> and 
<laughs> Go in. I feel like I feel like you're giving you're saying, oh, this song could work in the hands of masters, you know, in no, the well, hands of in like I that people is, who are that is essentially what I'm take, saying. I like I think the song could yeah, work in the so hands of people. So you're admitting this is a bad performance. No, I think it's a performance that is not optimized. I guess. Never have have we. I really like this song. It really gets stuck in my Dude. head a lot. This this episode is going to be seven hours long. Yeah, we, <laughs> we're an hour and fifteen minutes into the recording, Stop and we've it. covered two and three quarter songs. Well, get ready for a five part episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, I mean, Millen, unless you have d- any closing points, I think we have to move on. I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm fine to move on. As far as placing, I feel like this is going to go right near the edge, the upper edge of middle. Okay, so uh, the way that I did my rankings for this one, I have like a mini sort of tier list. So I have like top tier, second tier, ironic tier. Um, this one extends into the third dimension and breaks the list. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think it'll get like seventh, probably. That's my guess. Oh. That lock in seventh. Okay. Um, all right. So we're moving on to a song that I think that we can collectively agree is terrible. This is <laughs> yeah. Sister by Sisters from Germany. To say I was offended by it, it might be too strong, but um, <laughs> I found this insulting to, uh, like... The sisterhood? Fe- yeah, like feminism and the viewer's intelligence. <laughs> I just think that... So basically, the whole song is just about, like, I used to hate you and I used to compete with you, but now I know that we're stronger together and we're sisters and we're women supporting women. And I agree with all those things. I think that's great. It's just so heavy handed and lacks so much nuance. Well, well, <laughs> there's another one that uh, does that exact same thing. But, but better, better, but, better, better, but more tastefully, better. but but more tasteful. I feel like it's more heavily handed, but it is, but it's song. also better. But it's more focused <laughs> yeah, and it makes more yeah. sense because like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, when I also when I see this too, I see two women who probably don't even know each other and were brought together in a manufactured way, singing about how much they love each other and how much they want to support each other, which is fine. Whatever, I think women should support women. But like I said, in 2020, these ideas of kind of um, women supporting women and these kind of like Western feminist ideals are very pre-established and singing about the things that they're singing about isn't really groundbreaking in the way that they're singing about them. And it's just like so, like it takes what Netta did the year before about women's empowerment and strips it down to its most basicness and puts, like in terms of lyrical content, and then puts it to like the most basic pop song they could think of. This song sucks. Um, This song is, go for it, Ellis, actually. I I was not going to say that much, honestly. Just like the song sucks. They have very little intensity. This song... It couldn't be good if they sang it well, but it could be better. 
Um, I thought they sang it fine. It's yeah, just that the song they, <laughs> is so I, bad. The the thing that stuck out to me is that after, after the song ends, they were like, oh, that was such a... And they were like jumping around and being excited with each other. And I was like, where was that energy during the song? Mm-hmm. It was that very flat. exactly the same thing I wrote. And the Jumbotron sucks. It is. With their faces. Yeah, it's it's like if you've ever been to Chicago... There's this art thing in um, in Millennium Park where it's like a giant monolith that has people's faces on it and sometimes it squirts water out of the mouth and it's very fun to go to as a child or you get to splash around in the fountain. Um, but the Jumbotron is like that, but without all the good bits of being art and a water feature. And it's just like pictures of them looking stoic. So bad. It's really uh, bad. Yeah. Here, here are the things that I liked about this performance yeah one of the sisters had this kind of like suit jacket with like embroidered marigolds on it that looks like you know she got it from zaffle.com or something (laughs) that's it that's the only thing kind of decent outfit yeah yeah that's the only thing i liked about this song because the lyrics were atrocious like you said the singing was I don't think you touched on this quite enough. The singing was totally off key. Like this is supposed to be not off key, but just very bad. But definitely the worst thing was the staging for this. Two <laughs> people by the lonesome on opposite ends of this like boardwalk style thing part of the stage that like yeah. you know went around parts of the crowd. Nothing the- else on stage. There are two faces, black and white, front like harsh front lighting. Um it was this is this was a bad song. Yeah, and it's when you brought up the staging and how it was so bad, it reminded me of the national final staging, which was worse. Oh. I, at least I think it was if I'm remembering it correctly. Look, Millen, you can't see this, but they're on this like weird um rotating square thing and then like it's like it's almost like a carnival ride and then like at the climax it's like they're reaching for each other and they're getting dizzy and it's a lot. Um Anyway, um, this is um, my least favorite performance of the night, I think. Really? I think so. This is my second least favorite. Uh, I didn't I didn't rank my bottom ones, but it's down there. Okay. Thanks. And I don't think it's going to do well either. Yep, let's move on. Very good. Let's move on to song number five, which is Scream by Sergei Lazarev from Russia. So um, this song is so far up its own ass. Oh my God. It's a pretty dated ballad. The vocal is impressive. It's just, musically, the song isn't doing anything groundbreaking. And then the staging is just so narcissistic. And there is there have been stagings that I've done, like the kind of like duplicating the performer and having these like uh, sort of cells. But I think it just does it so poorly and... Yeah, like I said, it just seems so self-indulgent and so, uh, like, it thinks it 
was really like impactful and that it means something even though I didn't really get that much meaning from it other than Russia just wanting to show off something techn- impressive in terms of technicality not technicality but like technology I don't know I just thought the song was really boring um, I think it's impressive like I said the vocal is cool from a technical standpoint and staging is cool I guess I also have a bad taste in my mouth from this guy because he is a former Eurovision contestant and I really didn't like his other performance also I really like this one interesting yeah this, Please tell me more. This is what I was referring to earlier when I said I only had so much space to like ballads this year. I thought this was really good. This is the worst ballad of the year. <laughs> that's not true. Yes, um, it is. No, that's not true. That we, we'll we'll that's um. Guess it depends on your definition of a ballad. You're gonna tell me that this is worse than Serbia. Um, that song is amazing. Oh, oh, we're gonna have some trouble. Uh, I love that song. I really. This was. I have this in my top tier. Um, I thought this was very good. I thought the scale of this song was awesome. Like this song sounds massive, uh, which is like credit to both the production and to the singer. His voice is really good. Um, it's a little bit nasally, but like when he's hitting the big notes, it's like, oh, I get it. Um, the, 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 I enjoy the chorus. I, Enjoy the staging with a grain of salt. Um, I really like the bit after, like, I guess it's the bridge when he comes in and there's like, it's a a chorus effect on his voice. And that's a really effective use of the mirror setup. And then it's, it's, it's good. I like this song. I think it's really good. Um, It's, it's slow, but it's not boring. It's epic. Yeah. It's not my favorite because it is Ooh, still. He like, had a bad vocal moment. Did you just hear that? No. Let me rewind. It he kind of uh, had a voice crack. That was not the right note. Oh yeah, that was a little bit off. Yeah. Um, Nitpicking, but still. Yeah, I liked this one. I thought it was good. This is my this is my Ellis likes a ballad for the year. I, well, I will say that I think that I think that this song is the ballad for people who don't like ballads. It's like a ballad <laughs> that people who listen to pop music would like. Hey, that's why I like it. Right, and I listen to pop music too, but um. I also like ballads. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you enjoy musicals as a genre? Yeah. Okay. I think that explains it to Interesting. me. Interesting. You think this is a song this, from a musical? I think this is a, not, not like, not a swap, not a steal from a musical of any particular type, but it has that very particular musical writing style i, I think. will say it does remind me a little bit of agony from into the woods continue yeah yeah i am not a fan of that just because i have lived with my sister who is very much into <laughs> musicals yeah 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 pretty much that's you know yeah, some of the only music she listens to i don't so really, maybe I that's don't, just like kind of yeah. overexposure to me yeah i don't um, listen to them on the regular aside from the uh the uh, overture to a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Um, yeah, sorry. Continue. No, that's okay. I so in looking at this song is just not up my alley personally. Yeah, but looking at this song as objectively as I could manage, I I don't think it was terrible. Like Jonathan is saying, 
but I do think this is a song that Lake. Okay, to compare it to Lake Malawi's, Whoa. I said that that's a song that could only exist in Eurovision. Yeah. What I meant by that is like that particular instance of that song did okay in a live performance in the Eurovision context. This song cannot exist on the radio. It cannot exist in a playlist. Like it has no Absolutely. particular vibe to it that you can curate, uh, you know, around. Uh, this song only has its place on the Eurovision stage. Agreed. Or and maybe I'm, like Broadway. If I may interject quickly, I think that this yes. also highlights what I don't like about Russia at Eurovision is that they try way too hard and all of their songs are like <laughs> Eurovision by numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not all of them. Like, I think that like Little Big and like Tattoo and the Grannies are yeah. an exception. Don't say shit about my boys, Little Big. But um, no, I think those are the exceptions. And I think that a lot of the time, though, Russia really wants to win. So they do a lot of archetypical Eurovision things yeah. and try too hard. And I think that's ultimately what this is. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. This the, I, the try hard vibe is definitely there. Hmm. I, don't know, I like it. I thought the song was fun. So, do you think that um, Europeans will buy into this, or will they see past the bullshit? Oh, I think they'll buy into this. I don't think they'll buy into this enough to. Well, clearly not enough to win. But um, I could see this top ten. I could honestly, yeah, I could see this top ten easily. Not personally, but definitely uh, ranking wise. Okay. Televote and jury vote and whatnot. All right. So. After Russia, we have Denmark with song number six, which is Love is Forever by Leonora. Love is forever. Love is forever and everyone. Love is forever. Love is forever and everyone. Just a taste of love, a taste of what could actually rule both me and you. A taste of love is all we got. So don't you never, ever give up love. Come over, my long lost friend. This is fun and cute. Yeah, this is lovely. Without being, uh, like, sickly sweet, or it's not to such an extent, too, that it's seems disingenuous i think it's yeah. just a very cute girl with a very sweet voice singing about how love is forever in danish and english and french and she has her like fun little friends that are sitting on the big <laughs> the big chair yeah. this reminds me a lot of dr john luca i don't know who that is the the who maltese the maltese <gasps> oh dr john luca yes oh, yeah. of course yes, yes, yes. oh but better yeah no it's 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 like that but better without with less of the hipster kitsch um and with less of the religious fundamentalism. yeah without the <laughs> without the looming religious fundamentalism um i really like this song absurd. it's really nice it's really cute it's kind of like it, it's it's kind of like amelie but less mm. less less visually like less interesting than anomaly but like it's it's got that same sort of like it's the vibe yeah 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 um i am really bugged by the don't get too political line um it was i yes i that was the very first note that i wrote (laughs) yeah i don't i don't like that but i like the rest of it it's pretty poorly yes i feel like eurovision has always been an inherently political thing as much as Eurovision tries to obscure that fact. It's American Idol with geopolitics. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I 
uh, I thought the song was very cute. I I was slightly disappointed in the beginning um, because it did a similar kind of oh look I'm in a room and then the walls pulled away and it revealed the crowd and instead of the back of the stage. But this I think one that was, was a good choice. More effective. No, I think this one was a gimmick. Yeah. This was purely a gimmick. What? You're gonna call that oh one? God. Oh my. <laughs> God, I thought this one was. <laughs> but this already had the, like the, the chair and like the ladders and like all these things. And like I feel like the the weird like the weird like uh like thing like I don't understand what that was because obviously like this is a, like the the part with the chair yeah. is like the huge central part of the performance. And I feel like they just threw in like the weird like room thing <laughs> as just like a gimmicky like eye catching thing. Yeah. Whereas I think the central part of Malta's performance and what made it work was the box thing. Okay. I'm not going to get into the particular one because I, I don't think I know where I stand. But yeah. I, I did feel like the audience was expecting something more from that. Like the walls pulled away. People had their phone flashlights out. That people started cute. cheering. And then she did not pick up the energy to match the, to match the audience. And they were like, oh, uh, okay, cool. Um. That was, I think, poorly planned on her part or whoever staged that performance. Um, but as a whole, very cute song. Yeah. Uh, this read to me like the like a picnic scene in a coming of age movie that yeah. came out in you know, some summer. Yeah. Um, but similarly to Portugal's uh, redemption entry, quote unquote, for 2020, the oh, Passe right. Part Two. Mm-hmm. Like similarly, kind of cute and uh, not not bouncy is not the word for it, but um, low key ukulele esque, you know? Yeah, that that similar vibe. I feel like they both are good songs. They're just a little bit off, out of place in Eurovision. Okay. The exact opposite mm-hmm. to Russia, actually. The exact opposite to Russia yeah. cannot exist anywhere else except Eurovision. This song is a very good song i think it's just a bit weird in this context i mean i think if satellite by lena can win then this could do well you know yeah satellite, satellite had more it wasn't as like it was catchy soft poppy. yeah it was a little bit more there was a more uh meat to it i guess you could say more yeah. substance yeah i i guess like i i think those could be feasibly the same song or like different songs by us by the same artist like you know, like right? Those, but I think that satellite the discography satellite is the more like Eurovision of yeah, the okay. two. I think. Yeah. Um, my last thing on the song is that I think it is the only time as of yet that we've had a mid-song language switch that actually worked. Croatia two thousand three. I will stand by it till the day I die. Sure. I don't remember <laughs> that well enough to to argue. Um. But the, I, I thought the, yeah. the second bit of the song with L'amour est pour toujours, that was awful pronunciation. Um, but I thought that was cute. Yeah. Um, uh, my one thing to close too is that um, since I watched this contest, like like I listened to these songs like when they were released and like I, uh, and like I watched the semifinals. So like I kind of like, these songs are like very much like with me and like I know them kind of outside the Eurovision context too. Um, and I can't really help but think about, or I can't really help but think that there were songs in the second semifinal that should have gone through over this one. 
as much as I like it. Like, I really like this song. I do too, but like compared to Romania and like Latvia and well, Latvia is objectively not that good, but like there, I think that Romania definitely should have gone through over Denmark. And I think that as sweet and as nice it is, as it is and how much I like it, I think it is ultimately a little, it lacks a little bit of substance. I don't know. I have this in my top tier. I really like this. I one. like this one a lot too. I just wanted to say that I remember being kind of miffed that this one qualified and certain other songs didn't. Okay. I feel like, uh, the explanatory variable here is that you and I quite enjoy Ingrid Michelson. Mm-hmm. Who? Ingrid Michelson. Who? You and I. Oh, yeah. I love that song. <laughs> yeah. See, okay. Yeah. I, I know that song primarily as a camp song as opposed mm-hmm. to the okay. recorded version, um, which okay. It okay. explains why I didn't know who you were talking about. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so this is in your personal top, Ellis. Do you think it'll be around the top for the results um i hope so i like i think this could do i i do think this could do well because it's a fun song and it's a fun staging and it's fun and who doesn't like to have fun song stands out in a neutral way if that makes any sense (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's different from the rest of the crowd but that does not necessarily make it better or worse than the rest of the crowd kind of similar to denmark 2000 in that way Oh, what was Denmark 2000? The winner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was weird that that won. That um, was weird that that won. It was very, like, I don't want to say mediocre, but it wasn't very standout. Underwhelming, perhaps? A little, yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I feel about the winner of this one, too. But <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Hey, um, So I feel like this song, as far as how it'll place, anywhere around dead middle makes sense to me. Okay. Oh, uh, right, yeah. Yeah, I've, I I I would like it to go a little higher than that, but I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, now that we are done talking about Denmark, it's time to talk about San Marino. Whoa, whoa. Song number seven, "Say Na Na Na" by Daddy Sir Hat. Say na 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 on the doctor's order. Play say na na na. There's a light for you that places na na na. Say na na na. Say na na na. I like Stanley Tucci. This is fabulous. Also, uh, one thing that I remember from the lead up to Eurovision was that um, there were a bunch of rumors about who was going to represent San Marino. Do you do you guys know? like the the like people call him the human Ken doll or um i think they identify as female now but um like are you familiar i feel like there are like a lot of like you know like you know like those like when you're on snapchat and it's like the sure the, like i the person that got a whole bunch of plastic surgery yeah i think i know maybe this yeah that person was heavily rumored to be representing san marino despite having no musical talent there was also this weird <laughs> russian singer that had like a terrible song that also said that she was representing San Marino this year when she didn't. And I think that there was definitely like an overwhelming sense of relief that Sir Hat was doing it because he had done it before for San Marino and he's... This is a great choice of person. Right. And also I love him. He's, I don't know, very Stanley Tucci vibes. He is uh, a dentist. He is a (laughs) Turkish dentist and television presenter who hosts the Turkish version of Jeopardy. 
In oh addition to represent, no in addition to representing Dude. San Marino at the Eurovision Song Contest on two occasions. I love this guy. Imagine if Alex Trebek were. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, oh. That would be beyond amazing. Iconic. Yeah. Um, uh, so my my, I I'm gonna throw out a really weird deep cut connection on this one. There is a, there's an Italian movie from 2013 that I have never actually seen. But it's called The Great Beauty, and the idea of it is that it's like an aging Italian socialite reflects upon his life of parties and like excess and like thinks back on them and how they've affected his life and whether he regrets it. And I think this guy, I think that Serhat is that guy before he starts reflecting on his life. <laughs> um that's a deep cut. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, before we get into the song, I just have to say, I am so glad that this song qualified because San Marino have trouble qualifying no matter what. And this was just like a really fun song. And it's not like a competitive Eurovision song. It's not contemporary. It's not radio friendly. Objectively, it's kind of bad it's really campy and like his vocal is not that impressive yeah, he can't really sing he can't sing but i think this is just so fun and i'm glad that this got a chance to perform at the eurovision final just because it's just so fun yeah i agree oh this was the only meme song like meme <laughs> entry no I, I think there was another right. one really well not like it, it, well i'm excited to know what that is um oh yeah yeah but yes yeah Okay, his his Dracula esque accent. <laughs> yes. Wow. Say wow. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I I wrote instant classic in all caps because I love the instrumentals. Yes. And then he started singing, and then I wrote instant classic, but not in the way I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. The backing track These of the song does in tap. like super tight shorts. This what what a voice! What a voice! Singing very sexual lyrics like. <laughs> I don't I don't know why they were in English. I feel like they could have been in any language and been more successful in portraying the message that they needed to portray. I agree with that. Um, he lacks any enthusiasm for actually singing and being on stage. He's standing there. He is talking. He occasionally modulates his voice. I and love Sometimes it. he nothing, waves a hand and wiggles his hips. There's nothing to hate about this song. It's yeah. it's fantastic. It's so it's not disgustingly bad. It's disgustingly good. It's really kind of great. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm so glad he's here. Is this the kind of exquisite song? This is kind, this is kind of exquisite, yeah. Do I dare? Oh, do you dare? There are so many this year though. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't dare, but it's yeah, this, close. This is kind of exquisite though. That said, is it gonna do well? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think so, Millen? Oh, uh, that's uh, no, no, it can't do well. Come on. <laughs> See, I yeah, this song does is not going to do well, but it doesn't have to do well to succeed. Have some faith. It qualified Wait. from the semifinal. Like you're qualified, <laughs> like over like nine entries. Like, <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe it will. Maybe it will. I could be talking out of my ass, but I, I don't. I think regardless of where the song ends up, it has it is a victory for San Marino. Agreed. Are y'all saying that uh, I, I said that this was the only meme entry. You said, both of you said that there's one other you can think of. Yeah. Are you thinking of Iceland? Yeah, I mean, oh, it's, it's not. I was thinking of, I, don't, I was thinking of Israel. 
uh, but we'll get but, there. Yeah. Well, I think that okay. Iceland is kind okay. of a meme, but also it's like very, it stands on its own and, and it's uh, very good. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I just think they're like memeable moments. I don't think it's a meme song. Let me hit my button that plays a recording of me saying, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so after San Marino, again, Whiplash, we have song number eight, which is Proud by Tamara Todevska from North Macedonia. Fun fact, the um, first time uh, this country is represented under the name of North Macedonia. Hey, fun. Has, has Czechia entered as Czechia yet? No, I don't okay. know why. Cool. Um, I think that this is a more successful version of what Germany was trying to do. Cool. I agree that the lyrics are slightly heavy handed, but I think it makes more sense because this is clearly a mother singing to her daughter. I did not hear a single lyric of this song. Oh, okay. Do not um, see the images. Do you not see the, the mothers and daughters? Uh, the rules are made to stop us or something. Nope. I think I kind of looked at it and was like, "Well, this is slow and boring." And then I saw her dress and I was like, "That was an ill choice of fabric." Oh, I like um, it. And then zoned out. Like, I, think, I thought her dress was okay. I thought it was like I, I, have I think the dress could have been good, but I think the the fabric shows. It, it, I don't think it plays with the light well like it creases and casts shadows weirdly but that's not worth discussing <laughs> um and i think that some of the lyrics are a little bit cliche but also uh, like in this context of a mother singing to her daughter like it's a mom song so like i'm not super bothered i think this is really sweet and i think that um purely sonically i think it was it had good levels it had a really uh impressive vocal a really soulful vocal soul and conviction a thousand percent um and i think that yeah this is really impressive i think that macedonia tends to really struggle at eurovision and they tend to have a lot of really confused songs and performances but this song was very simplistic and it knew exactly what it was and it staged itself very well so by macedonia's standards incredible and just by general standards i thought this was very good also i i think i disagree I, I seem to have paid it more attention than Ellis did. Um, first of all, I want to know what the story is behind the women on screen. Uh, like, who who are they? What what is their story? I don't. I'm just kind of confused on that front. Love. Well, well the love last one was her daughter and her. Yes, that that one. I I don't think that was entirely clear, but like that. It made sense. Each person made sense, but there were way too many people for it to be just her close personal friends or something like yeah. that. Um, there's got to be like more to it. You know, who are these people? What role do they play in her life? I don't know. Yeah, I um, thought. Oh, sorry. Oh, and then just sonically, this song was like a pendulum swinging between this very engaging, moving, sweeping chorus and a rather sh- like shakily spoken. Uh, heavy-handed verses with very, very minimal instrumental support that did not... This was very clearly supposed to be a vocal forward piece, and I think she did a good job of that in the chorus, like I said, but 
Yeah, it's supposed to be vocal forward, and she does that well in the chorus, but then when it switches to the verses again, she, as a performer, sinks back, and I don't know if that's supposed to be in an attempt to kind of make the performance intimate, but what it does is it makes the sound feel empty. It makes the song feel empty, because there's not enough going on instrumentally or... Uh, there's no there's no backing singers either. I think that could have helped, um, especially in the verse sections. It just feels like not much of a song to during quote, half of it. To quote legendary singer Patti LaBelle, where are my background singers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, th- this was, for me, it's not my boring next of the year, but it's like in that same sort of category. It's like, it's a perfectly fine song. She sings the chorus well. It's going to do around the middle. Cool. It might do a little bit under that, actually. But, like, you know. Do you agree with that? Worse or under isn't better? Under isn't better. <laughs> oh, under isn't worse. Sorry. Okay. Do you feel the same way, Millen? No, I feel like it, it'll go under isn't better. I feel like, you know, Denmark wasn't right before this, but coming off, was it? Hold on. No. Okay, cool. Coming off of the song that said, don't be too political. And then this very, very in your face message about feminism and like standing up against uh, unjust laws that are built to keep you oppressed. Um, I, this song has an edge. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, I think it, not my style of song. It's kind of a lot of these songs, actually. It's not really for me, but I, I do think this is going to go middle plus some over to the winning side okay cool yeah next we're talking about song number nine which is too late for love by john lundvik from sweden This is the one that I compared uh, to Albania as far as staging goes. Okay. Very simplistic, hmm. very effective, I thought. It is exactly what it needed to be uh, in order to convey the emotion he needed to convey. And then the reveal, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but the reveal of the background singers at the end, whoa, amazingly done. Yeah, that was and well then they had little southern black gospel twist on it Uh, amazing (laughs) yeah this is however that's the very end of the song (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. well they were there they they weren't like there in person or no you hear their voices throughout the entire song yeah true but as far as the performance goes they didn't i don't know why like they took so long to come onto the stage yeah Um, the song itself though very good this yeah. is this is a radio hit i'll read you my notes i said <clears throat> another title card that instrumentally goes pretty hard it's a bit too poppy for my taste but i can totally see this playing non-stop on the radio especially if there's some kind of oh yeah okay it got there yeah this is definitely top five <laughs> <laughs> i have yeah. no clue what i was talking about that would have made it cinch that top five spot 
but apparently it got there. Very good song. That's all I have to say. Lovely. Yeah. I. I sorry. Yeah. No, okay. Um, I agree. This is what I like it. Like I like it when Sweden does stuff like this, where they inevitably have the kind of predictable, uh, over sanitized kind of like Swedish sheen. It does still sound like a Sweden song, right? Yeah. But it adds something interesting. In this case, it adds like elements of like American gospel, which I love. Um, and I think that this is a successful Swedish entry. What's not a su- successful Swedish entry are songs that have all of like the inevitable aspects of a Swedish production, but are just really boring. And that's not what this is. I think that this has a really charismatic performer that has a, a, a little wink at the a end. Little, little wink at the end. He's adorable. And so are the backing singers. Um, uh, and I, th- I, 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 I don't know. This was just really great. Very, from a technical standpoint, very good. Obviously, it's Sweden, um, <laughs> but it has it has soul, which I think that a lot of Swedish Eurovision songs lack. And I think that this seemed very human. This seemed very warm, and it did what I think Sweden should do every year. And also, fun fact: the backing vocalists are who were supposed to represent Sweden last year on their own. And their song was amazing. I would have loved that performance. Listen to that song. It's so good. Yeah, no, I okay. I have very similar notes to you. It's 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 a Sweden song, but it's a Sweden song with gospel and it works. The minimal staging is good. The song, it's just good. This is a good song. I have this it's been it's been floating between my top two tiers. And I think it's it finally made its way to the top spot. Or top tier, at least. Well, it was in the top tier at first, and then I took it down because I was like, oh, maybe it's a bit generic. And then I've bumped it back up and knocked it back down again. But it's up there. It's it's top 10, certainly. Top 5, maybe. Still a strong top 5 for this one. My one critique, my one and only critique, is that, um, uh, yes, as far as achieving soul... They did take a little bit of a shortcut by going to the root of soul music. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell you what doesn't have soul. Yeah, I thought you guys were gonna hate this one. Okay, so this is song number ten. I'm, huh? I'm very, I'm, I'm conflicted about this next one. Ooh, I kind of am too. But okay, we're gonna get to it. So this is song number ten, which is uh, "Sebi" by Zala Kralja and Gasper Schantl from Slovenia. Yeah, I think I like this. It, I think what it does most successfully is that it toes the line of being very intimate and also acknowledging the fact that they're on a stage with thousands of people watching them live in an arena. Um, I can't tell if they have good chemistry or not. I mean, they're a real couple, and I think that that sort of shows. Um, I, I don't know. I think that this... I feel like a lot of people, when this like first happened thought that this was creepy and i get it but i think that she's just a creepy looking person and that this is objectively kind of sweet and okay it's very i think the sound of the song is very current and it's hard to fault it but i think there are some things that i can't pinpoint that don't work i 
I, I would like to talk about this before Ellis goes. Okay. Um, when I when I first li- like heard this song without really paying attention to the performance, the production sounded a lot like Coldplay's Kaleidoscope EP from like 2018. Oh, interesting. Um, oh. And uh, vocally, as far as their performance goes, they they had the expression range and sexual tension of video club um with none of the pop elements of video club i don't know what that is which is why oh oh yeah, you'll love them look up video club cool we'll all do. all lowercase no spaces um as a performance though i think jonathan you touched on some points that i think are very true she, there was this point where she started to like she's standing there facing him he's holding his guitar he's kind of playing it she's kind of playing the piano no she's, kind, this one she's point, kind of playing a loop pad yeah she's got oh, a, oh you sorry yeah she's, she's got playing a fucking, some kind of something what are those uh, she's got an mpc that she's pretending to play which i thought was funny yes there's this one moment where she like starts to reach out her left hand to his hand the one that's like holding the guitar and they're like just barely touching hands. She's very clearly trying to like hold his hand there. She's so obviously nervous. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's super cute. I think it's super sweet. And like in that moment, he reaches across and he stops playing the guitar and he presses some of the buttons on the loop pad. Cause she had stopped doing it. Cause she was focused on singing and on him. And I feel like, when they went into it, they're like, okay, you know, we're playing in front of hundreds of thousands of, if not millions of people, but just look at me. Definitely. I'm the only one here. Yeah. Hello. Um, I, I thought this kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm not quite done. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought this song, uh, I, I thought the performance was super cute. It's not going to win really any points. this song is way way too intimate for eurovision yeah this song is you know like cuddled up in bed with someone you love style of music and that's not any eurovision song yeah it sort of seems like we shouldn't be watching this yeah yes yeah yeah it's like we're intruding here yeah exactly (laughs) you know let's just leave you two alone we'll listen to your recorded stuff afterwards very voyeuristic Um, and then as soon as the as soon as it ended the crowd was like silent there was no there was no audio there's no audience response for it but you know what what there was what cute little wave oh yeah (laughs) did they just wave to the camera i like that Yeah. yeah 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 it was cute it was cute it was not not a eurovision song I thought this, I really didn't like that. This might be my least favorite song of the year. Um, what? Yeah. I thought the performance was intensely. Worse, worse than Germany? I think on a technical level, yes. But on a, on a, on like. No. I think Germany. <laughs> You're wrong. Well, I, okay, no. I think the, I. What do you mean technical level? I didn't think she was singing very well. Oh, I I, you, in terms of production, though, I think this is really good. Yes. Yes. The production is good. I think she needs to open her mouth more. I like she 
she was her, her her mouth was not opening and it was really affecting the tone of her voice and it was bugging me i think that i, I think sent this poor little girl up with you know some kind of anxiety probably regretting <laughs> but i think that's kind of endearing i it w- it could be endearing if it sounded good i thought it sounded good i mean it wasn't like i mean i yeah i don't this, know these weren't like mariah carey notes i don't think that that's what the song is but i thought like i think a lot of her vowels ended up sounding kind of weird and muffled maybe that's just what slovenian sounds like though i i was thinking about that i was thinking maybe it's a language thing but i think that honestly she just needs to open her mouth more and it will sound immediately better um i also thought the staging was intensely uncomfortable Um, i liked it yeah, I think this is one of this is this is a song where it would have worked to put them in more of a box. I don't think so though because it, it like um I think the what works about this is that it's it's them with nothingness. It's not them confined. Like it's them with this like big like uh like space looking yeah. LED and it's kind of just them in the middle like existing in space. I think that it would kind of feel claustrophobic. It would feel like far too intimate. Like I think it was intimate okay. enough. Interesting, yeah. Because I guess just like the way that I would have directed this had I been the staging director for this is I would have tried to make it cozy. And this was very not cozy. I think cozy would have been way too much though. Okay, yeah. That, yeah, that, that, that's probably just a difference of opinion in that one. Um, but yeah, I really, I not a fan, not a fan. Um, so Milan, you said this one won't do well. No, I, I, yes, I did say that. Um, yeah, I don't know where it'll place. Probably in like the seven, such a weird number. The lower seven feels right to me. Okay, yeah, like yeah. eighteen to eighteen or below feels an okay spot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. Okie doke. So, song number eleven is next, which is replay by Tom Tuff from Cyprus. Okay, so you know, you know, you know what's going on here. Uh, they were like, "Damn, this this Madonna performance in the in the halftime show is bad. Let's just do a better one before it." Facts, because <laughs> she is. She holy, looks like Madonna. Holy she cow, does. does she look like Madonna? And holy cow, is she dressed like Madonna? Um, uh, the song doesn't sound like Madonna, but. The the visual is very Madonna, which is funny. Also, her backup dancers look like BDSM gauchos. Made the gaucho note. I did not make that other note. Okay, gaucho like gaucho pants. Uh, like no gaucho hat. Oh, gaucho hat. Like Spanish cowboys. Yes. Yeah. Um. Also, fun chorus. This is in my second tier. Uh, so like not top tier, but like one below. I I will always big ups to any pop song that name checks the 808 drum machine which she does in the chorus Mm -hmm. i thought this was a perfectly acceptable pop edm song it also has a costume change oh fabulous costume change yeah um yeah i 
I really enjoyed this and I was actually surprised because I remembered not liking it when I first watched this. I think part of that though was I think that this was sort of an early favorite to win and a lot of people were like, this song's gonna win, this song's gonna win and there was like so much hype over it and I remembered not loving the studio version and her vocal's not perfect and there were kind of like a lot of things that sort of missed the mark which made me frustrated why this was getting so much hype. But outside of that context, I think this is great. It's a lot of fun. The choreo is really simple, but uh, really fun. I'm saying the word fun a lot, but that's just what this is. It's very, um, yeah, it's very Madonna. It's very MILF. It's very, (laughs) (laughs) it's very BDSM MILF. I'm sorry. It is. Oh, and it has a good breakdown in the middle. And then it has like, Still getting over Jonathan saying MILF, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is very like uh, like New York club kid kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good visuals, good choreo, good song. Can't complain about any of it, except the vocals a little lacks conviction for me. I didn't have much to say about this, honestly. Yeah, yeah. There was, yeah. I, there was uh, this one part during the like break in the chorus was the instrumental break where she goes, uh, replay, 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 something like that. Yeah. That felt unnecessary. That felt like she was stepping over the music. Mm, very. I don't know. That's my only, like, <clears throat> my only note of tangible criticism to this song. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was performed very well. It was a performance. It is a song that is meant to be performed rather than just listen to um that's definitely true yeah yeah other than that i don't think it swayed too hard uh in the fun direction or the boring direction or the good or the bad direction this is a fairly straight needle to me so do you think that this will do well or poorly or the middle or what i mean i gotta say it's gonna do the middle um probably if I had to pick a leaning, leaning towards the top. Yeah, I could see like, I could see like N through 12 around. Yeah, 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 yeah. that feels right. All right, speaking of 12, we're on to song number 12, which is Arcade by Duncan Lawrence from the Netherlands. I'm not ready this, to talk about this. I think we're going to fight. <laughs> uh, before we actually talk about that, the title card, oh, yes. the pre-card, whatever, it was a ripoff. It was a budget version of the Macarena. <laughs> did you oh, catch wait, that? Right. Yes, yes, I did. Absolutely. That was so weird. That was absurd to me. And then it goes from that absolute, you know, banger of a cultural icon of a tune to a <laughs> song that we'll get into momentarily, I guess. <laughs> uh, just proceeding before we say anything about this song. My slash our apologies to all of the Duncan Lawrence stan accounts that are up in our likes on Instagram. Well, I actually like this song, unlike you two, I guess. So <laughs> yeah. should I speak on that? Yeah, send it. I really like this song. I think that it is, first of all, the vocal, impeccable, perfect. He hits all the notes. He has really good range. I think the song has really good levels. It has a good beat. I think that he sells it. He does a really good job of emoting and showing vulnerability but also kind of power and i like the staging of him kind of being enveloped in darkness but then there's one light or uh, like one spotlight on him and then the like 
it's not quite a disco ball, but it's like a a glowing orb lowers itself down. Orb. I think that's a really good, like almost cinematic moment. And I think the song really works. And there's, it's a little bit basic, but I think that it's performed so soulfully and it is interesting enough that I can look past that. And I think this is a really strong performance. Not upset at this song. I'm just confused. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with because you. Because going into this, we know it's the winner, right? We're, that's not a spoiler. I mean, maybe it's a spoiler for whoever's listening, but it's not a spoiler for us three. Yeah. Um, which is unusual for these, uh, for the shows. And going into it with that context, I was I was very underwhelmed. I was expecting something to you know, if it were a fun dance song to make me dance and sway and, you know, maybe sing along. And if it were a ballad, it make me like feel moved and emotional. And this wasn't either of those and it didn't make me do either of those things. I, I, he was sitting in front of a piano. It was a little bit too high tempo to be the classic Eurovision ballad. And it's, thematically centered around video games and arcades at least lyrically up a little bit what oh just the i that that was kind of cracking me up a little bit yeah 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 it was weird there was there was one moment where not one moment there was a couple moments where vocally he did this the you know the classic male falsetto very (laughs) strong very good appeal whatever i but i just don't see who this appeals to widely enough you know it doesn't it's i don't know if it's going to get the votes of the ballad fans i don't know if it's going to get the votes of the meme loving fans i don't know like i don't see what kind of coalition this song builds to get the the winning number um cool um i i i will agree i don't i don't get this song i think um but I the this feels to it it reminds me a lot of Sam Smith. No, this is better. Uh, I mean, yes, but like like it doesn't have it doesn't have the falsetto like the reliance on falsetto that Sam Smith does, but it feels like have, it I could get into it about Sam Smith. Anyway, continue. Okay. Like it feels like it's sort of a similar vocal-based piano kind of like modern ballad style that is still in the pop sphere um i just like it's good i don't i don't like the what i have written down is oh this is duncan lawrence it's like i i get i get that i get why people like this song i don't get why people like the song as much as they do i think yeah yeah can i it makes sense it, it makes sense as a song, as a Eurovision entry. Good. Doesn't make sense as the winner. Yeah. Is it fair to say that a big reason why both of you didn't really like this was because your expectations were too high? Yes, but I don't like on, on the one hand, yes. But on the other hand, even if I had gone into this entirely blind with no knowledge of Duncan Lawrence, I don't think I would have picked the song out of the field. Like, yeah, nothing about this no. says this is going to win. Like, I wouldn't have picked this to win. I would have picked this to do, like, eighth. Interestingly, though, we watched this with one of our other friends, and after you left, I was talking to him about it, 
And I was like, oh, which one do you think won? And like he listed like I think like two, three or four songs, and this was one of them. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yes. To answer your question, Jonathan, because Ellis did. No, I don't think it was that my expectations were so much higher because if I was, if I were going into it thinking, all right, this song is going to be the shining star, the pinnacle of the uh, performance, I wouldn't, I liked too many other songs better than this one. Yeah, I get that. This wasn't my favorite either, but um, I think this is a very worthy winner. And the vibe I get is that you guys don't think the same thing. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. accurate. There were, there are just multiple other songs that I would rather see win than this. Yeah. I think that um, in kind of the, the field of ballads, I think this is objectively the best one. I don't think it's my favorite, but I think that it is the best. Like if you think about like, um, it's certainly the most memorable aside from Spain. Or sorry, not uh, Spain, Russia. I think this is more memorable. I think Russia's more memorable, but... Russia's more flashy, and yeah. I think that this one relies a lot on the talent of the performer and the quality of the song, and I think that that speaks yeah, more yeah. than the gimmick of Russia. Yeah, that's fair. I liked Russia, and I'll agree with you on there. Um, yeah, do we have anything else to say about this? Not really. Yeah. Um, yeah, um... I like this. <laughs> um, yeah. Happy for you. What's that? Happy for you. <laughs> Good. Okay. And with that, we're moving on to song number 13, which was Better Love by Katarina Duska from Greece. I gotta say it, this performance bothers me. <laughs> this performance was directed by Kenneth Branagh. To quote Coco Peru, that bothers me. Um, so I love the studio version of this song. I think like this, I remember that this was like, people were talking about that this song could win the whole thing before the rehearsal started. <laughs> Cause no, the studio track is so good. And I think that this is such a good song and she's such a good vocalist, but the staging is so weird. I think there's just too much because there are these like fembot fencers. <laughs> there are these backing vocalists that are wearing flower costumes. It turns into it it goes from the fencing scene in Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet adaption to Midsummer. Right, and it's very it's very tool, it's very uh, Easter uh, color palette. And she's standing what sort of looks like in front of this large egg. And then <laughs> there is a part where they throw a huge uh, ball, which I remember in an interview, she said that that was supposed to be a seed. Oh. Um, into the audience. I just wrote down orb. Also, I think her outfit's kind of <laughs> ugly. Um, it's uh, She's wearing this like sheer maxi dress with this big flouncy cumbersome jacket over it it's very couture it's very couture but i don't think it's very uh good <laughs> yeah 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 so i think that ultimately this was a really good song that was just crapped up by a lot of 
disparate elements that I don't even think go with the song if they were attached to this performance on their own. Yeah. Which is it's really too bad because this is a very talented vocalist. This is a very talented performer. This is a very good song that yeah. kind of squandered its opportunities because of how poor this performance was. Not, not performance, but how poor this stage show was. I'm not a huge fan of her voice. Um, she I has, remember you saying that you hated her voice when we watched it. Yeah. She's got a very like distinctive, different voice. And it doesn't it work sounds- for me. It sounds like Bishop Briggs, but if Bishop Briggs were nasally. <laughs> I have not listened to nearly enough Bishop Briggs to actually understand that reference, but I will laugh regardless. <laughs> Neither have I. Um, I don't know if I have much else to add. The performance, the stuff happening on stage definitely distracted and detracted from the actual song. Yep. Uh, to the point where midway through, I realized that I had forgotten about the song because I was worrying about, you know, these people with two swords each, dual-wielding fencing. Exactly. And, like, it was very visually engaging, but I would prefer the Albania or Sweden uh, over this or Apricot Stone any day. Oh, this is the Apricot Stone of the year. This is the the Apricot Stone. It was so distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Really disappointing. The title card. This is the title card that reminded me of the Club Penguin fishing music. Oh, what? Hold on, let me. I gotta listen to that. Listen to the title card and then listen to that. You can only find it on YouTube. I'm not gonna. Oh, this is the one in the library. Oh yeah, I remember this. Yes. Um. Oh, I. (laughs) This is like um, triggering a very uh, like a sound memory that I forgot that I had. I didn't play enough Club Penguin to get that right. I played so much Club Penguin. The, I was more of like pizza minigame slash coffee minigame oh, kind of. Pizza minigame music is also really shockingly good. <laughs> Viva la diva. Viva, Viva Club Pinata. Penguin. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, filled with fun. Filled with fun. That's, halfway, that's <laughs> the halfway point of the show. And we have been recording for five hours. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is the halfway point of the show. But before we get on to the second half, do you think that this song will do well? No, absolutely not. This song cannot do well with that clusterfuck of a performance. Bottom bottom five, for sure. I cannot disagree. Wow, okay. That's going to do it for this extra long part one of our 2019 Rewind Uh, Part two will be out next week for your auditory pleasure. If you want to follow us on the social medias, you can do so on Instagram at Eurovision underscore rewind and on Twitter at vocab gumbo. If you want to help support the show with a little bit of the money, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash vocab gumbo. You'll get some bonus content in return and it helps support the cost of the show and make sure that this can continue to happen for the indefinite future. You can find links to all these places on our website, which is vocabgumbo.com as well. If you go there and click on the button that says contact, you can drop us a message, a letter, thoughts, opinions, angry rants about how we underrated Duncan Lawrence. I don't know. It's up to you. Um, so go give that uh, go give that a gander. For Jonathan and for Millen and for everyone here at Vocab Gumbo, my name is Ellis. Have a great day.